Hi, this is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. I just want to welcome you to this Bible study. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about the New Testament and the four Gospels. Now, the four Gospels, it has a chronological history to it. Most of us don't know that. Some of us do. The ones who have taken the Bible and our faith very seriously, you probably already know what I'm going to say. But for the ones who don't, this is going to be very informative. I'm only going to be touching on the basics. I'm not going to go into it into sharp, sharp detail and give you a bunch of definitions uh, from the dictionary. What I'm trying to do is to inform everybody, to give them a format in which to study the Bible so that we can be more informed about our faith. That way we can convey to people who are skeptics or critics or who are on the fence of maybe believing and becoming Christian, we can give them the answers. So I'm just going to give you templates. This is the whole point of what I do is help people understand what they believe and give them a template in how to study the Word of God. Okay, let's do this. Now, I first want to start by talking about how Jews write. Now, the Jewish uh, cadence and the way they write and, and the style, the literary style that they write is a far different than what we understand here in the 21st century. Now, there are things that well, we go to school and how we've been brought up and raised to, say, like read like Tom Sawyer or to read uh, books that uh, are novels and things. We have a Western way of which we understand writing and that we have an expectation of what to read. And if it doesn't make sense uh, to what we understand and then it doesn't we're not going to take it serious or we're just going to like downplay it or we're just going to be like, let's just go past this and let's go to the stuff that we actually can understand based on our understanding. And that's not the way you read the Bible. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help educate people and give them templates in which to read the Bible, which is very important. Now, one of the things I want to start with is the four Gospels. The four Gospels is very important to understand because it is the beginning of the New Testament. It is the introduction. When somebody actually opens up a Bible, they see the book of Matthew. This is important to know what the book of Matthew is all about. Now, I can't go through the entire book of Matthew, okay? But what I'm going to go through is just the beginnings and some of the over and panoramic view of the four Gospels. Now, the very first thing I want to go into is that the four Gospels have a chronological timeline and when they were written. Most scholars, most people who deal with these types of things, that deal with antiquity, that deal with historical matters on ancient writings, here we have the Gospels that are written in Greek. Now, the book of Mark and what it's agreed upon was written anywhere between 66 A.D. to 70 A.D. And then you have the book of Matthew and the book of Luke right around 85 to 90 A.D. And then lastly, you have the book of John that was written anywhere between 90 and 110 A.D. So I want to at least say this, that the gospel writers, when writing this, obviously that these gospel writers, they were young. 
Why? Is because Jesus, right around 30 to 33 years old, is when he was crucified. If they were younger than Jesus, which they had to be if they had written these documents and, and the testimony of Christ, their their testament, their testimony of what they witnessed as walking with Jesus. If you take a look at the Gospel of Mark, it was written from 66 to 70. And it's the same with Matthew and Luke. If they were younger, and it's written in 85 to 90, it lets you know right around the ages that they were probably at. Same with John. John was probably a lot younger. This was written in 90 to 110 AD. But the thing is, is when these were all written, the eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ were still alive. So if there was a dispute of what was written and what actually happened, that would have come out very fast. So what they actually read and what the happenings of the, what actually happened were identical. So we need to try to understand that these things, some of these facts that we need to try to factor in to what we believe is very important, specifically not only to our faith, but that we could actually answer people for questions that they have that are skeptical about whether or not any of this is true. So these are just, uh, this is just a temple that I'm trying to help you build, uh, trying to get uh, the, the historical and the archaeological and the timelines of, of biblical timelines and when these things actually happen so that we can answer people that are maybe curious about our faith. Now, I'm not going to go into how the Bible was put together. I'm not going to go into why it was put together the way we see it now today and in the order that it's in, which is not the way in the specifically in the Old Testament, the way we see it here, say like, let's just say for the King James Version, and the way the New Testament is arranged, it is not the way the Tanakh is arranged. The Tanakh is basically capital T for Torah, capital N for Nevi'im, which is the prophets, and the capital K is for the Ketuvim, which is another way of saying the writings. Now, of course, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible, which we call the Pentateuch. Now, the Tanakh is what the Jews call the Hebrew Bible. They don't call it the Old Testament. We call it the Old Testament. Now, I'm not going to get into any of that stuff. All I'm trying to do is trying to get to the book of Matthew. Now, the way that the New Testament was arranged, you have the first four Gospels at the very beginning. Now, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you have the ending book, which is Malachi. And at the beginning of the New Testament is the book of Matthew. Now, the book of Matthew is not the very first book written. Now, some people, like I said, using their Western intellect and the way stories are told and the way that literary styles are understood, we have an expectation for the Bible to fit in our ideas of literary style. Like I said, this is not the way to read the Bible. We have to completely put those things aside and read it the way that it actually reads. You can pick up on a few things in the way it was read. It'll confuse you at first, but the more you read it, the more you can see the style actually unfold. Now, even though that the book of Mark is the very first one written, which was 66 to 70 AD, we see the book of Matthew actually is the very first representation of the first gospel. Now, there's a reason for that. Now, my son, Isaac, told me that he thinks that 
in the word terminology that he used. He's, he thinks that the bridgehead from the Old Testament into the New Testament is the book of Matthew for good reason. If you take a look at the very first verse of Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, this is extremely important to read and also to know. Why? Is because it says the book of the genealogy. Now, the first question I asked when I actually started using a template that was shown to me in how to read the Bible is to ask, why are these words in the Bible? Why are they the, the actual inducive thought being brought to my attention when you say the book of the genealogy? So my first question is, is why genealogy is important? Why is it important? Why do I need to know about ancient people? There's a good reason for that. The second thing on my list in verse 1, it says, of Jesus Christ. And I started to think back when I was a kid that Jesus Christ sounds like a name, but really it's a name and a title. So when you say Jesus, it is the end result of language barriers, but we get it here now in the English Bible, the KJV, the King James Version, the King's English, Jesus. And then you have the next name is called Christ. Now, as a kid... I just thought that was his name, Jesus Christ. Just like I have a first and last name, he has a first and last name. Customarily, we just come to expect that. Now, when you, you break that up, you're going to see, when I do break it up, you're going to see why that's important to understand why it needs to be broken up. The third thing here is the son of David. That's extremely important. Why is that important? Is because it's very important to a Jew at the time that Jesus was alive. Here we have the fourth term here is the son of Abraham. Now, all of this is, is a clue. All of these, this first verse here in Matthew 1 is a clue to exactly what we need to do and ask the right questions. Because if you ask the right questions, you will get the right theology. Now, the book of genealogy, let's start with that. There is a reason why there's a genealogy. It's important to the Jews. Why is it important to the Jews? Is because it connects them back all the way to the covenant that God has given them to define them as his people. This is extremely important to know the genealogy because there's a lot of people out there who are Jews that are not part of the covenant. So this is a specific people, specific Semitic tribes or Semitic people who are Jews, and there's a there's also a history on that too, and it's very important to know which Jews are we talking about here, which Semitic people are we talking about here. So it's specific to the family of Abraham, as we see in verse 2, but I don't want to go ahead, but I'm talking about the purpose of the genealogy. Now, when you say genealogy, you have to go back to the beginning. Where did this all begin? There had to be the father and mother of everybody. Who is that? We don't find it here in Matthew 1 in the genealogy, but we do find it in the book of Luke chapter 3. So if we go to Luke chapter 3, verse 38, and we'll read it backwards. God, uh, son Adam, 
and then Adam's son, Seth, and then Seth's son, Enosh. Okay, read forward, it's called, it's, it, it reads, uh, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, and the son of Adam, and the son of God. The reason why I did that is so that you can see that all people come from God. They came from Adam and Eve physically, but they came from God physically and spiritually. It's very important that we understand that. That's what Luke is doing here. Now, if you read here in Matthew, there's something that he does different. And it's not that they contradict each other, because Luke is right, but Matthew also is right. The book of the genealogy. So, you would think that he would mention everybody, but what he is referring to is the covenant. Now, think about this. In verse 2, it says, Abraham begat Isaac. Well, Abraham is the father of faith. He's the one who has defined the Jews. He's the one that God had come to when he came to giving him the new covenant. I'm sorry, who has given him the covenant so that all of this can start, the, the wheels will start rolling, the ball will start rolling, everything will start from day one here in Abraham when God had come to him and gave him his marching orders. So the book of genealogy is very important when recalling the beginning of how this all got started. Because when it when it says here of Jesus Christ, it's saying more than what just his name is. The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the end product of the English language. Christ is the end product of the English language. If you go back to the and you take use the entomology of the discovery of these names and word form, Jesus goes back into the Hebrew language as the Moshiach. So, the name Jesus is Yeshua. Really, it's a derivative, or if not the same word, or the name, as the word Joshua. Christ is a derivative of Moshiach, and it goes down the line. There's, there's an entomology of that. You could study that for yourself. So basically, it's saying the book of the genealogy of Yeshua the Moshiach. We read it as Jesus the Messiah or Jesus the Christ. So the book of genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, the son of David. Now, so we have the book of genealogy. That's one term that we need to look into. The second is Jesus Christ. And the third here is the son of David. Why the son of David? is because of prophecy. The son of David. David is a man after God's own heart. So there are certain subtleties in the way, the way that the Bible describes each of these titles here and these people here and, and in these names. They have a gigantic narrative just in a name. Now, last one, the son of Abraham, which in verse 2, it starts to explain why. Abraham being the father of faith is how the Jewish or the Judaism, how Judaism is articulated is by him forward. So the, if you read the, the, the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, which is what it's called, that's also called the Pentateuch, but it was called the Torah first. The Torah gives us the entire story and in the Torah is woven all the 613 laws. We won't get into that. Verse 2, Matthew 1, Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judah and his brothers, which are the twelve tribes of Israel. All of that right there 
is what the entire Torah is all about. It is about Abraham being the father of faith, Isaac having begat the two twins, Jacob and Esau, and that Jacob, being renamed Israel, had the twelve children which became the twelve tribes of Israel. This is why this is important. This is all... I've just given you in verse 1 and in verse 2 the entire narrative in a nutshell about the Tanakh or Old Testament. This is why it is very, very important to know and read the entire Torah. Read the entire Pentateuch. It is very important for us to read it, knowing it from beginning to end and from end back to the beginning. We should know it by heart. We should know all the references, the names, and the people. To a Jew, verse 1 and verse 2 makes all the sense in the world. Verse 3, Matthew 1, verse 3, all the way down to verse 16. It says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who is called Moshiach. Well, here it says Christ, but here it should say Moshiach. It should say the Messiah. Verse 17 is, So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. Now listen to this. Why? Why is it important for so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 years, and then from David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations, and from the captivity of Babylon until the Christ, till the, the Messiah, are 14 generations. So now I want you to try to figure this out. Now we there's more than one exile, but this exile they mentioned here was important. The exile into Babylon, when the Jews were in captivity, the national language of Babylon was Aramaic. Is why they have the Aramaic Talmud, which is called the Babylonian Talmud, and the Hebrew Talmud, or the Jerusalem Talmud, which is written in Hebrew, which is written in Hebrew. This is important to know is because when they came back from Babylon, the children and the young people were speaking Aramaic. They understood the Talmud in Aramaic. They understood the the Torah in Aramaic. So you, you these are things that are very important. A lot of us don't know that, but that's what happened. Now, when it comes to uh, these generations... It's telling the story in a nutshell, in this genealogy, of who these people are, which are all found in the Tanakh, or Old Testament, is why we should know. 
Now, there's a rhyme and reason for all this, and I'll get to that. Now, verse 18 of Matthew 1, it says, Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for which, for that which is conceived in her is the Holy Spirit. Now, this is important to note, because if it had been any other Jewish girl, she would have been put out, probably stoned. There are, there are so many things that could have happened, but this was in a particular case. This was something that the angel of the Lord came and intervened into the affairs of man for this very reason. He would have not have known any other way. But God was communicating to man again. Now, there was a, a period of time between the Old Testament and New Testament that God did not communicate with them. And now it is now starting to happen on an individual basis, and then eventually, eventually it will happen on a national basis. Verse 21, it says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's exactly the description of the Moshiach, the, the Savior, the Messiah. Now, here, God names his own son. God named Israel, which was Jacob before. And God also named Paul. So there, this is there's so many so much going on here, and uh, you know I'm not trying to tie up loose ends because I believe that there are so many things that we can see the fingerprint of God in in a lot of these things in the way that we see God work, in the way we see these literary styles of the Jews. Th this is what God had chosen for this to be written in. It's not a puzzle to figure out. It is just the way that they understood it. It's the way they understand. And when a Jew reads the Old Testament, especially a Messianic Jew reads the Old Testament, they know exactly. They don't They don't have to sit here and look up words like I have to look up words. They don't have to sit there and read chapter after chapter of the Torah just so that I can understand what it means. They understand it immediately. And so for the this is why the word is so important to know, specifically in the Tanakh or the Old Testament. Now, I want to go back to Luke chapter 3, and I want to go uh, down to verse 37 and 38. Verse 37 says, The son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, and the son of Mahaliel, and the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh. Now, I want to stop at Canaan. We see repeat names all throughout the Bible. There are names that are repeated, just like there's, like, my name is Frank. How many Franks do you know? Maybe not a lot, but there are Franks, different people that are named Franks of different ethnicity and color and such. But there are more than one person named Frank in this world. I'm not a unique Frank, to be frank with you. It is the same thing with the name of Enoch. It's the same thing with the name of Canaan. It's the same thing with the name of Seth and Adam. There's so many different names, and the same thing with uh, Jesus' name. It has a high resemblance of Joshua, if not Joshua. So there's other, in, in uh, 
Yonkers, New York. Can you imagine how many Isaacs that are over there? Or how many Jacobs over there? And then there's a lot of, of these words, like, uh, I'm sorry, names that are used even in uh, American names uh, in the West. There's a lot of these we hear, we see uh, for, for people that are named Jacob, they call them Jake. Or for people who are named Benjamin, they call them Ben. You know, and there's a, they, there's a lot of that going on. So I want to point out that there's more than one Canaan in the Bible. There's more than one Enoch in the Bible. So there's different, there are different names. And this is important when it comes to the genealogy because when you read these names twice or three times, more than likely there are three or four different type, different people. They're not the same person. And so that could cause a confusion when it comes to the genealogy of Christ. So that just, that was like kind of a left field thing, but that, that's, I want you to be able to understand that as well. So let's move on here. It says the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, and the son of Adam, and then the son of God. Now, if you go back to the book of Genesis, there's names missing here. One of the sons of Adam was Cain. It doesn't end up here. Okay. Another son of Adam's was Abel. It's not here. Now, Cain had children, but you don't see him in the genealogy here. Abel didn't have any children, but God replaced and gave Adam and Eve another son, Seth, as it says here. He's named, and if you read back, is when they started calling on the name of the Lord. Now, it's important to see what, what names actually make it in this genealogy, and it's for good reason. It is because the Messiah would be produced through this genealogy. Now, you're probably asking, why would you say something like that? Well, let me tell you. This is what Jesus said. In Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 45, it reads, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written... In the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. Verse 45, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Now, was Jesus talking about the New Testament scriptures? No, it's because the New Testament scriptures came 30, 40, and 50, and 60 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. So he didn't mean about those scriptures. So the scriptures he obviously was referring to was the Tanakh or Old Testament Hebrew Bible. So that's the scriptures that he was referring to. And so he named them. He said the Law of Moses, which is the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. The prophets, major and minor prophets, and then also in the Psalms concerning me. So in other words, he's saying you can find me in the Torah, in the prophets, and the Psalms. So I decided to look those scriptures up and I found a, a well of scriptures that Jesus Christ was there. Now I got one more thing I want to add to that and that is Abraham. Now if you go to the book of John chapter 8 verse 55 through 57 it reads this way. Yet you have not known him but I know him. 
And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. For your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? I want to kind of expound on that for a second. What did Abraham see? And this is what I tell people when when they ask me these questions. Take a look at when Abraham was first mentioned in the Bible. His name was Abram. And then you read from the very first time his name was mentioned in the Bible all the way until he died. And that's how you're going to know what he actually saw. Now, I read through the whole thing. And there's types, there's shadows, there's a lot of different things that we could see about Abraham's life. And the only thing that sticks out in my mind is Melchizedek. Melchizedek had no beginning, no end. He was a priest. Abraham gave him a tithe. Melchizedek gave him bread and wine. There were so many things connected to Melchizedek, which this scripture now makes sense. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Now, I believe that Melchizedek is a type, shadow, and symbol of Jesus Christ, and I think that is exactly what this scripture is referring to when it talks to Abraham seeing the day of the Messiah. So if you're going to take anything away from this, what I want you to do is I want you to to take this as a template in which to study the Gospels. If you take a look at the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, that all the references are extremely Jewish. It is geared more towards the Jewish mind than it is to the Gentile mind. You have to remember that the Gentile mind has no clue about the Hebrew Bible. They may have watched Jews do this and watched Jews do that. They know a little bit about the temple. They know about the sacrifices. But when it comes to the scripture and to study the scriptures, they have no clue. Maybe what they hear and then they hear other people, uh, you know, over talking and talking and and eavesdropping. They probably hear them say this and say that. And they kind of get a grasp and idea and some of the things that they don't understand. Just like modern Christians today when they ask about what they don't know about Christianity or skeptics and critics or atheists don't know about Christianity, but are willing to at least ask some questions of why did they say or believe that. It's the same thing. So Gentiles had no clue. But the Jews had been, like, this is their lifestyle. Their scriptures are their lifestyles, what they're supposed to be living out. The Torah is meant to produce love in the heart of the believer, of, the, of God's children which is to separate themselves from any other nation that's around them, to make them completely obvious that they, they are Jews. They are of the God of the Bible. It's the same thing with us today. We are supposed to recognize that, but somehow, way, we've lost a lot of this information, between, lost in translation in between the time of the first church and what we see in here today in 2021 in the 21st century church in Christendom. I'm pointing all this out so that we can get a way to read the Bible in its truest form, to look at it as a Jew would. Because really, we believe more like Jews than we think. 
the references that the things that we do as Christians are totally Jewish. Why? It's because Jesus always referred to the Old Testament to be able to validate and verify what he's doing is the workings and the outward workings and the expressions and to validate and to verify that he is Messiah. All right, this is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. I hope that you learned. Like I said, if you take anything away, take away the template in which I'm explaining it. Test it out to see if what if it is true or false. Don't just take my word for it. But I want you to be able to, for the Lord to open your eyes, just as Jesus, it says here in Luke chapter 24, verse 45, it says, And he opened their understanding, and they might comprehend the scriptures. I pray that that scripture come alive, alive comes alive to you, and you will be able to comprehend the scriptures. All right, this is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. Amen, amen, and amen.